Peace and love, everyone. My name is Andrew Hewson. I'm a spiritual teacher. I'm here with my friend David Davidja Buckland. David is an author. Uh, he has a book, Our Natural Potential. He also has a blog, davidja.ca, where he writes about explorations of life and enlightenment. David and I have been having uh, conversations, recorded conversations, for about a year now, and uh, we're back together this month to discuss non-duality. So I'm going to uh, let David go ahead and start in our uh, exploration of this uh, subject. Well, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, it's a, it's a big subject, uh, and it's been spoken to for thousands of years. In the Vedic tradition, uh, the foundation of non-duality comes out of Vedanta, the darshana or, or uh, philosophy of essentially oneness, of wholeness, of totality, a number of ways of, of talking about it. The Brahma Sutra is perhaps the best known text associated with Vedanta. Um, the framing of Advaita and which means not one, or rather not two, um, and, or oneness and, uh, and non-duality, the way it's, it's framed uh, in a general kind of way these days uh, was from an emphasis by Adi Shankara uh, some hundreds of years ago. And he founded four seats of learning in the four directions in India. And each one of those seats of learning, uh, Shankaracharya's, um, is based on one of the primary Vedas, the four Vedas, and one of the four Mahavakyas, or great sayings, I am that, thou art that, all this is that, and so forth. But the key to understand here about, about non-duality is that it's about oneness of all. It's totally inclusive. This is not about feeling interconnected or some value of experiencing uh, oneness with some uh, with a lover or uh, with an object of perception. Uh, this is on the level of being, where we actually uh, are living. Uh, we're living oneness, and we can have certainly have uh, tastes of this at various points and and different flavors and experiences uh, prior, but what oneness is pointing to what non-duality is about is that oneness in being now generally speaking uh the the processes unfolds through the stages in consciousness uh initially there's a uh, the recognition of the self by itself known as self-realization or uh cosmic consciousness has various names where that inner uh, consciousness, the capital S self, recognizes itself. And this kind of creates a, um, an inner oneness. Uh, but there's still a duality because there's an inner oneness, but the world out here is still separate and distinct. In time in that stage, there's a refinement um, and purification process. And at some point, uh, there's a recognition that the world is also the self. Uh, 
it's kind of like there's an, a world appearance playing out on the screen around us the, leading to all of our experiences and the screen itself on which this is playing out and from which uh, those experiences are arising is consciousness and that consciousness is the same self it is myself and when that is recognized in a level of our very being there's a shift and the sense of being a, a subjective observer and the object side are merged together into one wholeness of consciousness interplaying with itself and then with time in that at a certain point and there's various ways this may unfold but generally speaking as we go deeper and deeper into that oneness and more and more layers are included which is essentially the topic of the brahma sutra all the various recognitions of that is myself and that is myself and and so forth in various because uh, it's the intellect in this process that's that, that's become associated with consciousness and is recognizing itself um and it goes through this process of recognizing until it reaches a point where it knows itself in its wholeness in its, in its completeness and at every point within itself to the degree that we can we can um, process that through a through a human physiology um, but there's a recognition of that functionality of wholeness and then it, it's kind of like consciousness has been looking in on itself the whole time and it turns it realizes that you know realizes this and he tur turns and looks beyond itself and then there's a recognition of um, that which is beyond consciousness and it turns out the consciousness itself uh, isn't the isn't the completeness we thought it was and there's a transcendence into um, what is typically called brahman in in uh, this context um, and this is when even the subtle dualities of conscious and not conscious existence and not existence uh, very subtle dualities are, are resolved and brahman is inclusive of all this total inclusiveness and that is essentially what non-duality is about this totality of inclusiveness but this is you know very difficult to describe uh, most people uh, are experiencing through the senses and and through the mind and uh, you know having separate bodies and they're distinct from other things and so just a general oneness in consciousness is a revelation mm -hmm. but a totality of of oneness is uh, you know beyond most conceptions and it's beyond words because words are inherently concepts and in the mind we meaning in the mind and so on and so we can't really uh put our heads around it but because we are it we can live it mm. anyways that was kind of a uh extended <laughs> extended introduction but that's kind of the broad context uh if you really want to understand non-duality it's uh there's a uh you have to re recognize the completeness of it and what those old texts like the Brahma Sutra and what Shankara was speaking to um, was so much more than uh, a simple, you know, experience of uh, passing experience of inner oneness in consciousness. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for, for that uh, 
introduction, there's a couple things that are reflected back here as you were speaking. The first thing is the as we speak about oneness, there there are some that uh, consider uh, themselves uh, expressing non-duality that perhaps would take issue with the term oneness. Um, you know, on the basis that non-duality is a is a negation, so it doesn't it doesn't place any affirmative value on anything. Now. Um, this is a certain perspective that's that's present in the spiritual marketplace right now. Yes. And of course, oneness uh, as a word has been abused, uh, I would say, to a certain degree. So I understand um, perhaps partially where it's coming from because um, a word can get out there and just sort of be used uh, within the realm of uh, general propaganda or, you know, sales, marketing and things like that. And, and lose uh, any sort of potency or power, you know, that it once had. But the the negation of duality is not the the end of the story. You see, the the recognition that there's no duality um, doesn't necessarily point to what there is. So there is what I would consider to be a partial um, recognition that is oftentimes in place that would see a term like oneness or any sort of acknowledgement of um, affirmative uh, recognition or realization as potentially sort of being um, something that is inaccurate or, or, or just more mind stuff or, or something like that. Um, so I am basically getting around to the, to the point that it's important that we recognize what the term oneness is really pointing at. And, and you sort of brought it back around to that. It's not, uh, it's not merely a concept. It's not merely a word, but it, it points to a direct recognition or realization that there is only one reality. Now, what that one reality is recognized to be uh, shifts because initially that one reality can be recognized as uh, the self, the one self, this one field of conscious awareness. And it's conscious awareness that recognizes itself as the all-pervasive uh, field of conscious awareness. So it's not something that anyone realizes as uh, an individual entity in that sense, Yes. It is the, the non-entityhood of conscious awareness that realizes itself as being the, the essence or the substance that is appearing as all of creation. So that's one level of oneness, we could say. And there's even qualitative variations within the context of that uh, recognition that there is only subjectivity and you sort of pointed to the possibility of there being the sense of uh, the observing or the witnessing being what is recognized as real uh, the pure awareness uh, seeing itself yet that not being um, something that translates into the recognition of form and so there still seems to be a, um, a duality there there's still the the sense that there's reality and then there's 
the the unreal world and and that could even have different um, qualitative interpretations in terms of it's unreal in the sense that it's a dream or it's it's unreal in the sense that everything that we thought it was isn't what it is you know we, we made all this stuff up and we created all these names for these objects and it's all you know all just uh, conceptualization of of this story of uh, separate individuality so it's I'm I'm kind of just laying out the very broad spectrum of uh, possible perspectives and and one of the weird things is is that and maybe not so weird but I guess these days I think it's kind of strange is that there all of these various uh, perspectives or or degrees of realization are kind of simultaneously playing out in YouTube land or in 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 the spiritual marketplace. And oftentimes they're they're just considered to be kind of the same thing. Like there's, there you know, just maybe people are saying the same thing in different ways or something like that. Yes, actually, um, that that that's one of the fundamental issues with with modern interpretations of what Shankara had to say or Vedanta itself is this assumption. There's a there's a, in some circles there's a denial of stages of enlightenment. Yes. There's this perception that there's only one enlightenment. Um, and uh, anything beyond that is is just a um, is a you know a flawed understanding, a delusion, you know, various ways. Um, there are also traditions like the Papaji lineage who recognize stages, but don't talk about them in defined ways and avoid speaking to them because it can generate concepts uh, that can be a barrier to living them. And this is true. I mean, if we get concepts to um, we, you know, uh, we we hold concepts ahead of ahead of uh, the reality. We're we're you know making the map into the road, and the map is simply a representation. Concepts are just a representation. However, you know you don't deny the map to the person on the road either, and um, and it's important to recognize that if you're going to be talking about Vedanta. It's something that unfolds in stages. It's not something that that uh, happens all at once. I mean, I've certainly seen people move into that place rather rather quickly, but I I think six months is the fastest I've seen someone wake up and then go through the process into Brahman. Um, usually, it takes some years, and uh, there's an unfolding process. And it's ironic that the concept that there is no more stages is another concept that's a barrier. So just, just in the same way that 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 someone thinks, oh, there's all these stages and they're supposed to happen this way and I'm supposed to experience these things, you know, that can get get be a problem. But you know, on the flip side, think they're thinking there is no such thing or that such things are a delusion are equally uh, a barrier to the same process. The whole thing is we have to allow, allow this thing to unfold with some value of innocence and surrender and letting it be as it is because we're moving into territory we've never been in and um, it's certainly an upgrade and, and an improvement um, but the mind can never grasp what it hasn't known yet yes i mean i could i could if you've never tasted a, a dragon fruit i could describe various you know aspects by comparing it to other things the way say they describe how wines taste you know that it has a nutty or a fruity flavor or whatever um 
you can kind of point to to things that way, but until you've actually experienced it, it's just an idea. Yeah. So uh, so it's very important here that that we put it in in the, the right context so that it's not we're not assuming that that Vedanta is all is all pointing to the simple realization of the self and that we can write off the world because it's an illusion. I mean, that's just one perspective of the world. Of, yes. Of a number of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Beautiful point. And uh, so when, the, when the term oneness is used here in, in this context and in, in, in these conversations it's pointing to the direct uh, unwavering uh, obvious uh, recognition that the entire environment is made out of the one self that sees itself as the appearance of the world, that sees itself as the appearance of creation. And there is no sense of separation in that. There's not a sense of a separate person that is experiencing that and saying, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so experiencing that. That doesn't mean that there isn't a personality and that there is, you know, life doesn't continue to unfold, but it's unfolding as that oneness flowing within itself. And that's a particular stage you and I would both say, and we have language for that, con a concept which points to the subjective realization that uh, is being spoken of so yes. the concepts themselves are are a non-issue if we recognize them as concepts and we hold them uh in a certain sense with care and and attention if there are disclaimers that are made um, i feel that that's really sometimes the the most supportive way of of uh allowing them to sort of be revealed in their essence, but at the same time, not using language or not uh, uh, pointing to what is a, a directly realizable uh, recognition of reality is, is not supportive. And uh, yeah, Lee can leave, uh, leave this sort of empty blank space of incommunicable uh, whateverness, you know, where <laughs> nobody knows, like, oh, it's just all, you know, yeah, like that. So, which the mind um, is very uncomfortable with. It it is com uncomfortable with this, and so there is a there is an intelligence in that sort of uh, over what I would consider to be oftentimes an over emphasis on non conceptualization or sort of a heavy emphasis on non conceptualization, but it really pertains to sort of the transcendence of egoic dominance because the 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 sense of self associated with the human ego is is so as you said uh frightened by that there's a sense that there's control in concepts or that through intellectual acquisition or understanding that it is adding to its uh possibility of something or sort of um you know gaining power over something or whatever the case may be, you know, yeah, I think it's safer too. Yeah. Safer, safer. Yeah. There's a sense of false sense of control. So then one of the, one of the ways in which that was sort of counteracted was through sort of the removal of the, the validity of concepts, you know, that it's just whatever it's not, 
you know, that's not it, whatever you say, isn't it kind of thing. And that has its place. But when that goes on indefinitely, <laughs> then perhaps it's... And you've got a concept not, of no concepts. That's exactly it. it. That's point. So it gets around to a new conceptual baggage that is the, the, the negation-based concepts. The know this, that's not it. And then it becomes a, a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. Um, which really leaves a, a little room for flexible fluidity within the realm of dynamic experience. Yeah. Uh, and it can develop into a rigidity, which, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, may not be the most supportive of the, the, the fullness of life, we could say. So do you have something to say? There? Yeah, I also wanted to mention, too, that some people have the idea that somehow you have to understand this in order to live it, mm -hmm. and you have to have it figured out. And some people are, are not, don't have strong intellects the way we do as an example. And so uh, there isn't the same inclination there, but there can be the fear that, that if I don't understand this, that I'll never be able to live it. But in actual fact, such a person has less baggage to unload. <laughs> uh, and you, you don't have to understand this uh, to, to in order to live it, because once it is lived, then the understanding comes, because uh, the deeper you go, the more in, inherent the intelligence is in whatever we're experiencing, and the more alive and clear that is, the more apparent it is to us. So at a certain point, um, they talk about sometimes as the inner guru, the uh, essentially experiences come with their own understanding at a certain point. And uh, as we get confident with that and clearer and so forth, then um, there isn't the same you know, need for outside sources or whatever as, as well. And so it just it just takes care of itself. So yeah, but it's just getting out of the entanglement of the mind, <laughs> which is which is the uh, the biggest challenge on the spiritual path, and uh, for many people, is that uh, strong mind that's that's uh, you know it, it has its advantages, but uh, you know the the mind is a very powerful tool, but um, it makes a poor master, and that's kind of the role it, it usually ends up in. And for many identified egos when we don't know who we are at a deeper level um, the mind kind of steps in and tries to take over as the as the new master but uh, <laughs> tends to create its dramas and 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 struggles and uh you know all kinds of issues so yeah yeah beautiful it makes a uh, poor master but a great servant right that's yes the, that's the key so in in that sense i I find that it's a it's natural to sort of move towards some degree of uh, reflective confirmation within the realm of you know human dynamism, whether it's through a teacher or through some level of uh, you know scriptural uh, reference or or whatever the case may be. And as you were pointing to, not everyone is going to have the same tendency to move to express that in you know particular details or anything um, at this it, and I would say that a part of the cases where it is expressed in a more sort of um, particularized or, or detailed way is that it then sort of uh, provides a, a certain set of um, possible confirming uh, mirrors within the realm of of that which is uh, ultimately, the, the non-conceptual direct uh, experiential recognition 
of what is being pointed to. So there are those that appreciate your blog and what you're putting forward. Uh, and they, they, they understand what you're, what you're writing about through their own experience. They may not be expressing it verbally in the same way or, or um, interested in, in um, putting it into, into details in the same way, but they are, appreciate that you're, that that's taking place there. You know, yeah. so it's sort of is supportive. It's been a, which has been a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't something I was expecting. Is <laughs> have some facility with words, uh, you know. But it's just kind of what 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 started, and that yeah. kind of started flowing out. Um, well, the writing the writing process started happening a few months, a couple of months before I woke up. Actually, um, it was kind of a precursor in a certain way. And and then I started the blog a few months after that. Yeah, it was very curious. Uh, <laughs> the last thing I expected <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's it's one of those things, you know. There, there's there's these concepts we develop about, you know. I studied this stuff for for years before I woke up, and had all these concepts about what it was supposed to look like and so on. And I already recognized that some of them were were a little faulty because you know, for example, that I, I witnessed for many years before I woke up, and that was supposed to be part of. You know, according to the concepts, we're supposed to be part of waking up. Um, and it was, you know, some of the refined perception stuff that can unfold for people. Um, you know, that that unfolded here long before I shifted as well. Um, and but there were still lots of concepts, and so there was this, you know, for me there was this um, throwing out my conceptual baggage with the shift to allow it to be it to be as it was, and then gradually the mind brought it back again. In the new context and with with much better uh, understanding, and, and you don't recognize you're doing that, but you know you're hearing a speaker and adding these concepts from wherever you are at the time, and we add this kind of these ideas, which you know can give us some framework and some general understanding. There's still value in in that uh, study and and pointing at reality, but um, we have to. We have to, you know, carry it lightly, so to speak, um, which isn't always easy to do for a strong mind. But uh, um, and recognize, just recognize that that's how we understand something today is uh, not how we're going to understand it in, um, you know, in the future at some point. It's going to evolve, and so not to be too fixed or or rigid about it. And yeah. you know, you get. You get a little too much of that thing and you get into discussion groups and stuff where people are talking about non-duality and there tends to be a lot of you know like this is the way this is the only way and and i'm right and you're wrong and you know i have the better teacher this teacher has as you know this experience in this lineage and this teacher has this experience in that lineage and and yeah. uh yeah there's a little too much of that going on yeah yeah that's uh that's a great uh segue into something else that I wanted to to go over but I also just want to kind of go back to the to the expression and language and, and um, conceptualization piece just for a minute because that's something that I um, value to a certain degree in terms of our ability to communicate um, you yes. know higher values of, of reality and uh, and to do so clearly and and without feeling limited you know and or you know a stickiness around them. And I feel that for humanity, as the collective uh, 
level of conscious experiencing continues to evolve, that that will become increasingly relevant. At the same time, we're going to be passing through this sort of emptying out stage where our mistaken value of concepts is being sort of undone. And <laughs> that's, a, that's what a lot of the sort of uh, more modern interpretations of quote unquote non-duality uh, tend to emphasize in, in the sense that uh, everything is sort of negated uh, as being just a, just a story or just a thought or just a belief or just a narrative. And that's true, uh, you know, within a, within a given context, but there's also no context given when they're saying that, just uh, as a little side note there. The, it's, 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 it's referential to that which is based in the illusion of separation. But if we uh, are directly tasting the separationlessness of reality, then our ability to, you know, to speak and express isn't somehow completely undone and, and forever removed because this whole you know, uh, human experience is largely stratified in different levels of seeming separation in the sense that things are something that they uh, may not actually be on a more essential uh, plane or from a more essential recognition. So the uh, the capacity to to speak um, and to express and to hear is is something that has the potential to um, be in alignment with truth. It has the potential to be in alignment with clarity. And yeah, there's going to be a period for all of us on what seems to be a more individuated level where we are passing through the, the purification of where that has been out of alignment or where that hasn't worked or where it has been mistaken. And then, you know, through that witnessing a, a new found uh, freedom being, being born forth. And then that also takes place on a collective level. So, accuracy is, is possible, particularly when the language is aligned with a direct uh, experiential energetic resonance as it is being spoken. So I can and give the, an and there's, and there's a key thing in there just to touch on that's so important. Um, the vast majority of people have that initial shift of waking up from being a, a me or a person into recognizing that they're actually this cosmic self or there's a number of ways that might be experienced, but that shift into self-realization and recognizing um, they're not this individual local person. Um, for most people that's catalyzed. Um, there's, a, they, they, there's, no, there's no reference point in their experience for awakening. And so for them, the trigger is usually um, uh, maybe at, not at the time, but sometimes at the time and sometimes a little after, but the trigger is usually a teacher uh, or someone who's awake speaking from the self to the self in the person. So speaking these pointers um, and to the understanding. Um, and for some, what that does is the mind relaxes 
and is, it, it is willing to let go because it, it feels like it's it's appropriate and, and safe and like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. And um, and for others, it's just like it it's like the little little click goes and, and then there's a shift and the self sees itself and the recognition happens. And uh, then there's quite often a release of some kind, crying, laughing, both. <laughs> and uh, and that, that aha moment all kind of mixed together. Um, and it just takes a moment, but but there's often a, a pointing and a catalyst that's in there, and it kind of comes together uh, at that point. So there's so there's a value in having the framework to support the unfolding, so that we're we're supporting what's what we're experiencing. And so that when something some strong experience comes up, or or some new unfolding comes up, or whatever, we have a bit of context for what's unfolding. We don't get in the way of it. Uh, and we were able to support it, uh, but also that on that deeper value, uh, that potential for a shift to take place. Mm. Yeah, beautiful points, beautiful points. So I was just going to give a little example of the, the alignment of language with direct energetic uh, resonance. Yes. And, uh, and then I'll uh, say something else about that. So a term like pure awareness can be said like you know, pure awareness, or it can be said, pure, silent, changeless awareness, full, vibrant, conscious presence, that qualityless, no thingness, which is prior to this full, vibrant, conscious awareness. Pure, radiant, supreme divinity. So those are different, uh, different possibilities for language being aligned with different recognitions of reality. Yes. And if you come to that purely with the mind, because that's we're so habitually, somebody is speaking, so we have the mind there listening to interpret the words. Hmm. And if we hear it only on the level of the mind, it's like, why is he talking funny? <laughs> <laughs> but if, if if we've we've cultured enough presence uh or or transcendence however you want to frame that to be there then there's that potential for that to hear hmm. and a whole different thing can can unfold <laughs> yeah. yeah beautiful the the other point that kind of ties back into to to just walking through that together is that there there are different aspects to uh, infinity and you and I have spoken about this many many times uh, in reference to the masculine aspect and and the feminine aspect yes I wanted and, to bring that up uh, and then there is that which is uh, prior or beyond uh, both the the masculine and the feminine aspects yes. uh, of the self 
again and, uniting into into oneness yes yes into one so and then there's uh then what there's what i would uh consider to be the only reality which is pure pure divinity yeah. and pure divinity is actually what appears as uh, nothingness or qualitylessness pure awareness and conscious presence or the feminine so uh, that just gives some context for the non-duality because in in each of these different sort of uh, prevailing conditions there is a recognition of separationlessness we might say and uh, as you pointed to there can be some some variations in that in the sense that there could still seem to be certain things that are not included and that uh, the totality of of inclusiveness sort of really reaching its fullness in the the recognition that what we are is actually the source of conscious awareness the source of uh, the infinite field of uh, of divine light yes so in the expression of what is uh you know currently considered non-duality sometimes it's coming from what i would consider to be a, a pretty basic initial shift that's characterized by the negation of the um, sense of a separate self and so therefore any kind of talk about an infinite self or even conscious awareness uh, is oftentimes negated as there is no con there is no awareness there is no um, consciousness those are just you know uh, there's there's just no there's just no person there's just no uh, um, uh, separate uh, knower or separate individual and and I would say that even uh, someone that's been sort of indoctrinated in listening to that over and over maybe would hear us speaking right now and uh, presume that there's just you know separate people here talking about this all this maybe fanciful stuff about <laughs> what they think non-duality is but we're we're really deluded and <laughs> yes, we don't know I, what we're talking I certainly about gotten that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is totally fine uh, it's totally yeah. fine but in case anyone maybe was interested <laughs> in another possibility i would just say that uh i experientially seemed to pass through a stage uh, very early on where there i tasted that sort of uh what i would consider to be the rendering of the conceptual level of ego identification uh sort of um, vacant or or uh, uh unreal and in that what basically shows up is kind of the sense that there's still uh there's still form there's still you know um a, uh, what may be even considered to be an objective world but there is no individual knower there's no individual self knowing that or 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 experiencing that and there's no doer so things are just happening and w whatever uh appears just is there's no reason for it there's no meaning for it um there's no value to it uh, because there's no separate individual that could that you know really would value it or um, see any meaning or significance and if there was that then that's just uh, an illusion or a projection of 
uh, and a separate individual that isn't actually there. Okay, so we get the kind of basic picture, <laughs> but the the uh, and I believe that I tasted that condition for a reason uh, in the sense that it was so that it could be potentially useful uh, to those that may be mistaking that to somehow be some sort of final realization or something ultimate um, at, at a later point, which is what we're here now speaking about. Uh, useful in the sense that I'm able to uh, speak from having passed through that and through grace not have gotten, gotten stuck in that particular space where it does seem as if basically it's all about the the whole the whole story of awakening or spirituality or whatever you know kind of is rendered like a just a big story just a big narrative because there is no one to awaken there's no one to in anything there's no one to uh, pass through stages there's no one and one of the one of the wild things is that even and this takes place I mean there are teachers that are expressing this that even like the, the th thousands of years of, you know, spiritual traditions and lineages are kind of dismissed as being just nonsense stories, like, uh, you know, all of, the, all of the, the, the great scriptures are kind of written off as being somehow just <laughs> referential to, you know, some entity that isn't there or something like that. And uh, it can, it, it's really wild, because uh, it can be such a, st a sticky situation uh, particularly if you're if you're teaching that or sort of regularly speaking that and people are biting at the 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 hook that's being uh put out there uh so if yeah if you i, I just want to say that that i myself also had a sense of ego death not everybody does but but you know some people experience the sense of ego expanding to become cosmic um yeah. Uh, or there's a devotional surrender or, or, or something like that. But, but here there was a sense of, of ego death, but what, I, what became clear in a bit of time was it wasn't actually the ego as a function that died. It was the identification with, mm. with the ego as who I was. Yeah. So the ego as a function was still there, kind of like my thumb is still there. Yeah. Um, there's still a function and it's still needed so that I know where my foot is relative to the floor and the stairs and you know i can i can walk up the stairs without falling down <laughs> and, and uh there's still you, you still need a sense of person in, in that kind of context and so to be able to talk to someone in a semi-normal kind of way and you know function in the world uh it's just that that's that it's no longer the center it's yeah. just the center falls back into the into the universal consciousness and then deepens progressively further but yeah, but it's useful to mention too. You you touched on the the masculine feminine part mm -hmm. because the the uh, the stages that I outlined earlier were the the masculine process in consciousness, and those can be experienced in a very flat and dry kind of way, like uh, you were you've been pointing to uh, at some of the occasions. But when you bring out that um, that feminine side, the aliveness the liveliness, the, the tendency to express um, within consciousness, the, uh, it, there's this whole other side of the process that, that opens up. And it really depends on the practice. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I recommend the practices I do 
uh, is they they help not only with with uh, touching into consciousness, but they help refine refine the the uh, the the process in in the interim. And also, you know, I recommend um, healing um, emotionally and energetically because we tend to carry a lot of baggage that that's also reinforced in our culture. Uh, so usually we have to do a little bit more targeted uh, healing approach to clear out our uh, energetic baggage, which acts like a veil, um, covers up the, the the layers between that inner consciousness and um, our surface experience. And it just, it shifts everything from being this kind of dry, flat emptiness into a fullness. Mm-hmm. And space is alive. Uh, it's not an, just an emptiness, it's actually, it's an alive fullness. And there's also this quality that each of us has our own unique blend of laws of nature that are functioning through this body-mind. And so it's kind of bringing out a different experience of wholeness, of the totality, and it's, it's adding that to the whole. It's like our, con- our unique contribution uh, to the whole is th- through just experiencing our life and, and our unfoldment. Uh, and that brings out this other way of, of experiencing and, and it's all part of the one whole. And so it adds to that one wholeness. So there's real value on the other side of that. And there's a, the whole unfolding of the feminine side we've talked about in, in other conversations. Mm. Um, that's a, an important part of the process to fill it out. And actually um, modern, modern uh, uh, Advaita conversations usually leave out the later part of Shankara's teachings, his early teachings were much more pure intellect and kind of dry and and uh, um, and so on. Very, uh, I mean, he was a profound debater and so forth. But in, in the latter part of his life, uh, he had an unfolding uh, of the feminine side and recognized the divine mother and and uh, wrote beautiful poetry and and so on like that. So it's kind of like this: the 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 ideal unfoldment is is both the 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 mind, the intellect, and the heart, that, that um, or the masculine and the feminine, uh, to, to, to bring them both along. When we each have our own mixtures and, and emphasis, and you know, we go with what, what's here. Um, but it's nice to be able to round out and balance that a little bit um, if, if we recognize that possibility is there. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful point. Um, there's, there's another kind of... Uh, uh, what I would consider to be a, um, a misperception surrounding the, the idea of the direct path. And, and so non-duality is associated with being this direct path, like the, the pathless path, the stepless step, uh, all this kind of negation, flip around language. I use it myself. I'm not uh, putting it down. It has its place. It, it, but uh, it oftentimes presumes that any sort of application or, or practice, as you were just uh, pointing to, is somehow useless or, uh, or limiting or, um, yeah, a trap or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, because it just supports the sense that there's someone doing something or someone moving in a certain direction or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and that kind of ties back into what I was saying about the uselessness of traditions and all of those different things, you know, potentially um, uh, different, uh, strange, uh, uh, perceptions like that. So the, one of, one of the things I'll, I'll clarify, uh, although I did sort of taste that what appeared to be kind of semi-objective empty of 
conceptual identification space, the, the initial shift here is very much a feminine shift. So it was more of a devotional uh, sort of unfolding or flowering, if you will. And, uh, and then I was able to taste the masculine variations um, in the context of that. And sort of it was a back and forth, you might say, yeah. in terms of uh, presence, more presence and more absence-based uh, uh, recognitions of, of reality. So, and uh, the masculine tends to be on the absence-based side. So any kind of absence-based teaching uh, typically is characteristic of a masculine shift. Now, even in that context, I would say that a lot of times there isn't a, what I would consider to be a, a true recognition of the masculine aspect. It's, it's a negation of the mental or conceptual level and it, the story stops there, period. That's it. Yeah. And so there are teachers teaching from that space. It doesn't mean that they have that they see that they're infinite. All they see is that there's no that there isn't a finite entity. That's that's it. And uh, so kind of boring to me. <laughs> it is very boring. It's very boring and dry. But at the same time, I th one of the things I think it revolves around, uh, David, is the selling of the end of suffering. And so that's kind of worth touching on is suffering in general, you know, throughout throughout the ages has been utilized uh, as a sort of motivating factor, <laughs> yes. perhaps, uh, you know, in certain, in a certain context to move towards the possibility of not suffering. Um, there's different, you know, uh, motivations as well, such as love um, and commitment and, and those things. Um, but one thing that I've noticed in the current uh, non-duality marketplace is that there tends to be uh, some sort of a transactional um, appeal taking place within the possibility of the the one that seems to be suffering being gone or removed, the, the me that seems to be suffering being seen as an illusion. And and so when these certain teachings are are pointing to the fact that there's no one there, there's no one suffering that's not going on, that's an illusion or whatever, it can provide some false sense of temporary relief, almost like some pressure is being let off. So it's like if you're listening to these repetitive hammerings of negation, it can uh, allow for the there to be a sense that somehow things are better. Uh, better in the sense that there just seems to be uh, the clinging to or the 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 glimpse of of something being cut through that was being assumed uh, the clinging to the the whatever is being uh, expressed within the realm of negation but there's no real lasting uh, peace being found there's no real lasting uh, bliss being found there's no uh, there's no true unfoldment of potential, yeah, of, of what the human lifetime really holds as a possibility. And uh, so in that sense, I would say that they uh, tend to perhaps be uh, not necessarily in alignment with, with truth. They can, they can be uh, within the field of sort of peddling, um, this a false idea of uh, relief or, or or whatever the case may be a false sense of relief and that's not always going on but i have a sense that it is uh to a certain degree
Yeah, there is certainly the, the idea of spiritual bypassing that has become uh, well known more recently where people are using spiritual practices or spiritual concepts uh, or approach to avoid their issues, to avoid their life, uh, to run off to the ashram rather, rather than, you know, deal with your need to choose a career or, or to uh, um, or to deal with relationships or, or to, uh, um, you know, you know, buy into that negation framing, mm -hmm. because then you can just dismiss all your experiences as irrelevant. Um, and, you know, there's a there's a certain value in taking them less seriously and not, you know, buying into the drama in the same way. But as you mentioned, uh, when you take them too far, and then use them as a negation of, of your dharma, uh, of you know, why you're here, um, then, then you're basically just getting in the way of, you're actually creating suffering, essentially. Yes. Um, maybe not directly, but it, you know, at some point, uh, it has to be uh, faced. Yeah, well, it all comes back around to balance. I mean, there's a place for negation, and, yeah. and negation is very powerful, and it's going to be very supportive in, in our unfoldment and in, uh, in certain stages. But if it's not complemented by that which doesn't just uh, leave it at negation, but also folds back in and attentively allows the, the residue of what has been seen through or what has been rendered ineffective through seeing that it's not what it seemed to be, then it's going to just end up with that flat, dry, you know, um, empty sort of uh, flavor flavor of, of, and, and I've, I'm working with, uh, I'm working with folks that are coming from a space of whateverness, what's the pointness, meaninglessness, uh, you know, and because they've heard in our talks, even sometimes about the feminine, something is stirred in them. And, and, but they're coming from this space of like, you know, I don't know, I'm just in this place where there's just whateverness, meaninglessness, pointlessness, and oftentimes that's characteristic of uh, just a, a lack of balance in, in, the, in the context yeah. of both the feminine and the masculine. So when we speak about practices and application, these, uh, you know, I, I also um, prescribe certain um, methodologies that I feel to be supportive and uh, they involve healing and allowing and uh, transmuting and yeah. observing and those kinds of things. So yeah, there can be there can be also a place where as you're approaching a shift, the first shift, where the uh, the old drivers of the of the ego that were motivating your life yeah. uh, are falling away. And yes. so there can sometimes be a flat period in the approach. Um, I mean, we shouldn't expect that. It's it really varies widely, but it is one of the symptoms sometimes that happens. It it happened here where what used to drive the bus has gotten off the bus, so to speak, and um, but the the actual identification has hasn't yet uh, broken, and so there's kind of like this this draining of motivation and and uh, and uh, you know desire to get things done or whatever, and um, you know what do I do with my life kind of a thing, uh, and there can be that, but that should be a temporary phase as long as there's uh, appropriate spiritual practices and 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 you don't kind of buy into that as a new a new uh, well, this is the truth way kind of uh, 
the true way of being. Because uh, at some point, especially if there's some feminine being cultured, at some point, the deeper movement of consciousness itself and the laws of nature and so forth uh, move to the fore and start moving into life. Because once we get out of the way, then it can move through our life. But if we're kind of partly out of the way, but not quite, then it's kind of not quite moving through yet. But um, so there can be a kind of trans transitional period there. But then life just happens through us. And it's mm -hmm. a whole different, uh, it's a, well, it's a very different experience of life. Same life in many ways, but, but just um, a lot smoother and uh, a lot better, a lot more feeling of support. Uh, because it's just like what's moving through is supported and, and, and you know, uh, uh, finds expression. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful point there. Of course, it's, it is going to take place where the things that were pulling us forward or, or pushing us, seeming to push us forward, um, being sort of seen through or, or emptied out, uh, are, uh, leaving us in a space of just feeling as if there we 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 don't know what to do or or, or um, what the what the point of doing the things that we we once valued would be anymore. And yeah. uh, there are different there are even different uh, degrees of that. You know, we can go through uh, like a supreme whateverness that sort of uh, <laughs> is is present in in reference to. Uh, you know the qualityless uh, nothingness being uh, dominant and and in different stages, and that's very appropriate. The 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 emptying out aspect uh, has its value. That level of intelligence has its place, has its yeah. value, because we're we're moving from being motivated by our own control mechanisms and belief systems and programs that were referential to this false sense of separation into being motivated by the uh, commitment to truth and love and the flow of bliss and and those kinds of things and th and there's uh, lots of different uh, lot lots of different uh, seasons that we we go through there's different cycles you might say and, and stages yes. and all of those are to be acknowledged but it's it's when one is singled out and sort of uh, taken to be the the only uh, possibility that it potentially becomes an issue um, yeah. so it being being emptied out is beautiful but being being filled up is also beautiful so we're being emptied out to be filled up yeah with and something more yes with something yeah and, and nothing is ever lost in this process it, it's like the, the the fuller value of it is gained because the same the same laws of nature are still functioning here, but they can be upgraded, so to speak, and and um, and come from a from a a bigger place. Hmm. Yeah, one idea that that's you know this looping back slightly, but one idea that that's interesting uh, in the tradition, um, particularly associating with with uh, the unity stage, but uh, but it also has relevance right through there is is uh, what's called Laisha avidya which basically means the remains of ignorance. Um, and the, the basic idea is that, that um, well, they talk about it like, like picking up some butter and then putting it down again. And you get a, a film of butter on your hands. And when you have you know, infinite consciousness established and expanding into all the layers of being, it's still being lived through 
this body mind. I mean, you could call it a person, but it's not a person in the same way it was a person before awakening. Um, but there's still a value of a, a human here. And indeed, I mean, the Brahmin stage uh, I touched on near the beginning, uh, which sets the stage for, for pure divinity uh, to be known, that essentially requires a human, an embodied human, to, to go through that process. And so there, it, essentially there, there has to be this small ignorance there. I mean, we as a human can experience remar a remarkable range of, of creation, but we're still a mechanism that experiences one thing at a time. It can be a very, very big thing, um, <laughs> infinite in fact, but, um, but it's still the one thing. And um, we'll, our mechanism isn't such that we can kind of do everything, all of it simultaneously. That's kind of the purview of the divine. Um, but we can still bring out, uh, like I talked about earlier, we, we have this unique combination of laws of nature to bring out uh, some value of wholeness. And uh, as we grow more and more into this, um, we can do that more and more effectively. But it comes through the filter of these laws of nature, these, um, I wouldn't say limitations, but this, this framework. Um, and it has its, its contextual frame. And there's certain limitations to it, you know. Um, it's not what's, what's dominant. What tends to be dominant is, is where our skill areas are, where our emphasis is. Um, and uh, whereas other people will have somewhat different, we've touched on this before also, where, um, you know, mentioning Dorothy Rowe, for example, has, has, is a natural energy healer. She has those, kind of, those kinds of laws of nature. And that emphasis has led her to unfold certain layers of, of creation in more detail because those are the ones she works on to help uh, heal uh, personally and collectively. Um, whereas I have some overlap with that, but my emphasis is on a, in a different uh, region, so to speak, and, and I've brought out different kinds of things and, and the laws of nature here are, are very different um, in certain ways. And so uh, and then you again, uh, the same, uh, you have your own flavor and, and uh, laws of nature. And so it, one way of looking at that is that is, is as, as our uh, faint remains of ignorance, our, our, our uh, faint limitations that we have as being a human. But unless we have that uh, context of being a human, um, we're not able to unfold in this way. I mean, in a, you know, a, post-human lifetime, uh, evolution is still going on. There's still a soul unfolding, but the context and the, the platform is, is different. And so uh, the, the, the stages we're talking about are very specific uh, to an unfolding human uh, in this space and time. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> um, I get, I get a little bit cosmic there, but uh, <laughs> no, that's great. That's a part but, of the gift of, of human life, right? Yeah, exactly. But that's that's the potential. So it's like the human life is a limitation in a certain kind of way, but it's the it, it gives us this platform, this profound platform that gives us uh, the ability to reflect aspects of divinity in a way that that I never expected. I, I was beyond my conception before, and I'm sure there's more yet to unfold. Hmm.
Yes. Yes, I'm also quite sure there's more yet to unfold here every day. <laughs> every time, uh, I, you know, several times there's been like, oh, this is the ultimate reality. <laughs> then it's like, well. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's uh, it's an uh, a, an ever um, deepening, complete yet in process unfoldment, and. I just want to go back to the to to my mention of the direct path because I don't feel like I really clarified there. It's right. It, in terms of something being direct, it doesn't mean that there isn't the the room for application. It doesn't mean that uh, there isn't still dynamic expression. You know, the I think the basic misconception comes from where someone the the ego has. Uh, the identification with the ego has become one of the seeker or the sort of the aspirant, which is trying, trying very hard to, to get somewhere and to do something or to see something or whatever the case may be. And so there, there ends up being this kind of burnt out seeker identity, um, this uh, kind of fried, tired, um, someone who's been doing this for this many years or been looking here and there and still hasn't seen something or still hasn't realized something whatever the case may be and uh you know it's understandable that there there would be a sense perhaps of lack or frustration or um discouragement or, or whatever the case may be uh, and then in that there would be an attraction to a very what could be seen as a very sort of uncompromising uh, way of pointing or speaking which yeah essentially negates or undoes that that whole movement yeah there's also the the um the tendency i've seen where people looking for results or wanting it faster or whatever that they start to chase experiences yes mm -hmm. and so they start to look at the oh the next big thing the yeah the special spiritual teacher coming through town, mm -hmm. you know, and going off and learning a new technique and a new and different mantra and a different practice and a different thing, or even, you know, someone has become fashionable to go after uh, hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. um, but what's really important to understand is this isn't about experiences. A yes. spiritual practice is about culturing the ground so that there can be shifts in being and a rec recognitions of who you are to deeper and deeper levels. And chasing experiences is just chasing the mind, basically. Um, yeah. the, mind, the mind is very oriented towards the senses looking out and to having experiences. And so when it's not seeing experiences, because a lot of spiritual stuff is very subtle, a lot of development goes on very quietly in the background, that's, that's a good thing. Um, you don't really want a rough path. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so there's the tendency to start chasing experiences when, when the mind is leading the bus. And, um, and then people go off and, you know, teacher of the day and, uh, and yeah, and, and some of that stuff can be hazardous. So it's, yeah. uh, and you don't, you don't make progress by meditating a little bit this way, and then a little bit that way, and a little bit that way. And, and uh, you right. know, it's not, a devoted long-term practice is, is far right. more effective. And you also you also don't make progress through saying that there's no progress to make and in, in intellectually <laughs> understanding that and believing that. So 
there's you and I both, we just kind of gave the whole spectrum. There's this side, which tends towards the total negation or sort of rendering it ineffective or meaningless of any kind of possible anything in reference to spiritual application or, or teaching or, or anything. There's nothing to teach, you know. Then on the other side, there are those that seek experiences and go from teacher to teacher to teacher and new things and new mantras and new techniques and new wonderful shakti pots and things like that or whatever yes. so there's there's you know there's there's both categories in there and i'm sure that some from this category slide over to this category from time to time or some from this category whatever yeah. you know it, it's just it's all innocent and a part of the unfoldment but hmm uh, there's another possibility and 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 that's that the the motivation isn't being driven from lack it's not it's not coming from lack you know there we can we can be given to something we can be given to the spiritual path or the pathless path or be given to truth without feeling that it is a transactional exchange and uh, that's where the frustration is rooted in. It's from it's rooted from a lack-based, uh, transactional understanding of realization. And enlightenment is not the end of seeking. That's not enlightenment. That's not the definition of enlightenment. Seeking may not be there, but that's not what enlightenment is pointing to. Enlightenment is the is the realization of the reality of pure divinity yes and it's not a it's not a goal in itself it's it's a platform for living yes it's 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 a it's a different perspective we can bring to life which makes it a lot more beneficial it's also an expression of grace yes so the grace of that same divinity that reveals itself as the one reality is realized to have been what has been unfolding itself the whole seeming way, whether there was the seeking or meditating or whatever. It's all been the unfoldment of this grace. Yes, and it's a beautiful thing when you can see it in retrospect, you recognize yeah. the hand of the grace. Yes. coming in and at the appropriate time but grace moves in the context of the whole yes grace isn't about what i want or what <laughs> what you know uh the you know the right time for me in my schedule you I know it, it, <laughs> it happens when it's best for the whole and when we're when we do spiritual practices we're preparing the ground so that when grace arrives it's something we can sustain because otherwise, if we don't, you know, if we negate practices and don't prepare the ground, then grace can show up as as expected uh, at some point, but the ground may not be ready to support it. So there can be some opening, and then we fall back in the, in the mind again because the the, the softening hadn't uh, been done enough. Uh, however, yes. you want to frame that, and it's uh, yeah, it's such an important th thing, and, and so there's a. I mean, you get patience as you get further along the path because you can see the hand of the divine in, in this process yes. uh, in uh, moving things forward. And, and there's a, when you stop trying to be the doer, then um, when the you know, doership falls away with awakening, 
then you start to see the the much deeper flows of life through you and through those around you and and life itself and you see there's this profound intelligence in the way uh, the world is unfolding the way the world operates yes and it's not yeah it's not it's it's so much better than you could plan or or figure out or or do yourself as a, as an individual uh, and so you know from that you you get a, little, a lot more confidence and 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 trust in the process so yeah we, prior to that it can be frustrating and and uh, yeah it can be we don't we don't see that yet it can be it can be challenging but it just you know you just essentially have to choose a good path and and be consistent and, and patient um, yeah. and, and know that it's unfolding as it should. I mean, if, if I look, you know, from my perspective, I look back at, you know, just how things, the world itself has unfolded since um, I was young. Uh, it's amazing, you know, the, the changes. Uh, one of the examples I sometimes give, for example, um, one of my teachers uh, before my time, he, he used to have people they send them to the room to to meditate and do these cycles of meditation and, and yoga asana and, and pranayama and stuff over and over again for like 12 hours. Uh, and and, and that's just to try and break through um, their own stuff, but also the collective, because it's because it's much easier to, to support yourself uh, in a bigger space when the collective is supporting that too. You're not, you know, uh, you're not being dragged down by it so much. And then, um, you know, by the time I came along, um, we were, we were uh, peaking at about, about um, I guess, eight in a, eight rounds, they call them in a day, cycles of meditation in a day. And nowadays, they do three, hmm. uh, maybe four, I, I would imagine in some scenarios. But, um, and there are, you know, people in, in a kind of more monk's lifestyle who perhaps do more. But um, the, the critical thing is, is to dip in and then um, come out and, you know, bleach the cloth, so to speak, uh, in daily activity to integrate it. Uh, you need to, it's not just about, you know, escaping off into the transcendent, into, into consciousness. You want to bring that forward into your life. And so it's an integration of those two together. And, uh, and that's a process of stepping into uh, silence and then out into activity and then silence and out into activity and kind of repeating that cycle. And that prepares the ground, that softens attachments. And it's, you know, the point of, of practices here I'm talking about, a lot of the practices out there are about control of your experience in some way. Control uh, or focus, you know, uh, in meditation or uh, and you're walking around in your life, you're trying to be mindful all the time and and kind of create create this mental division. Um, unless there's enough presence, mindfulness can be very useful as a practice, but it tends to, you know, my experience here is it tends to arise spontaneously and naturally when it's appropriate. When you try to use it uh, in your day-to-day -day life, if there isn't enough presence established, essentially it's, it's the mind trying to manipulate its own experience. and and that's just a control way. And so that's that's where some of the, I think some of where the, you know, people are rejecting practices because they're just, you know, more the, yes. the person trying to control their experience. But right. there are forms of practice that are that are uh, emphasize effortlessness and not non-control. Um, and, uh, you know, th those tend to be more effective. Yes. Um, 
So it's not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. That's kind of what tends to happen in that context. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to be careful too, because even there, people can can you know buy into, you know, I'm a I I practice the superior meditation and, and oh, I right. have all these and I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm very evolved because I I do I have long practice and all this you know. Yes. Yes. That of course, and and that's. Uh, within the realm of what I would consider to be this, the spiritual ego or the identification with being a spiritual person. And, and that can be also the identification with being no person, nobody, and you're stupid because you think you're somebody. Um, yeah, but it's a concept of being nobody. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a mind that's thinking it's nobody. It's somebody thinking they're nobody. Yeah, and exactly. So that's, right. That's a mental and game, really. It's much better to be nobody than it is to think that you're somebody or whatever. So there's yeah. all these different variations, nobody. and then there's the variation yeah. that you mentioned in the context of, uh, you know, like uh, adding the spiritual history or the spiritual story or the spiritual practices to some sort of identity construct. And those, you know, so those things are uh, what I would consider to be, you know, m maybe not obvious to the one that seems to be tasting them, but <laughs> through grace, uh, we talked about grace. Through grace, they become. <laughs> more recognizable uh, when they are in place. And in, in terms of practice or application, it's the attitude, it's the willingness, you know, the willingness to show up and to be shown. It's not when it comes from trying and attempting to control and figure out, then that's where there seems to be a difficulty. But anything that is approached with the humility and the willingness of uh, commitment and uh, devotion has the potential to be fruitful, I would say, you know, yes. depending and the mind naturally has that tendency and yes. it's, and that's fine. We shouldn't be, you know, hitting ourselves with a stick just because of we course. notice the, the mind's buying into it in some way yes. and manipulating it and experience. The mind just does that. But the key is we can culture enough presence. Then we're going to recognize the mind's doing that and not take it quite so seriously. And as, and over time we take it less and less seriously. And, and that just develops naturally. And then it's Very just, funny. mind does that. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's just the mind running its stories. Uh, and we don't, you know, it's just kind of like a narrative that's that's kind of like, you know, watching a, an old movie and there's a narrator in the background. <laughs> we can we can ignore it if we want to. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Just let it chatter no, in the silence. No, David's going to make this <laughs> And, and this person I'm talking to is going to say that. <laughs> yeah, and that quiets down. It quiets yeah. down progressively, you know, because uh, it's not being fed with the attention and the drivers are being resolved. So the energetic condensation is being processed out. And a lot of the, that kind of thinking is arising from unresolved energy, actually. So we covered quite a lot. There's one, there's one last thing that I want to say in the, in, as we've been discussing non-duality is sometimes there's a, an understanding that in non-duality, there can't be a devotion or that you know, oh, they, yeah. they're somehow contradictory or, or they don't go together. Yeah. I touched on Shankara's later teachings in that context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yes. that's exactly right. So it kind of ties back into what you were saying about Shankara is that, there was a, a a new level of richness and feminine fullness that that came online after his more his earlier his more uh, intellectual um, drier uh, teachings or pointings you might say, and for for everyone that is in the midst of this unfoldment, 
devotion is very much a, a potential and very much something that can flow without duality, without the sense of separation. There doesn't need to be any sense of separation in order for there to be devotion, in order for there to be love. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. We, uh, oh, thank you, Andrew. Yeah. It's really great. So um, we always like to give all glory to pure divinity. All glory, pure divinity. Thank you, David.